Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I am your host and producer for this final episode of season four. So thank you so much for joining us for the past 60 episodes. It has been an absolute honour to share this platform with over 320 international exquisite voices in poetry. And I am very grateful that I get to return in May with season five. So stay posted for the return of your favourite weekend storm. Meanwhile, today we have a Malaysian poet in Bath a reverend contemplating heresy, and an Irish writer tired of being a zombie. And also today we have another treat in store for us with another teaser track from the new album coming very shortly from our favourite Belfast Groove-based band. So whether you were joining us on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Podcast Addicts or iTunes, thank you so much for being with us. This is Into the Storms, and I hope you enjoy the show. As I mentioned in the intro, this is now the final episode of season four, and in what is now customary for a final episode. I'm going to read a couple of poems from Eat the Storms, my debut pamphlet, which was the reason that I started this podcast. Eat the Storms was published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press in September 2020. Thank you to Mark Davidson for publishing this and for your support. This is called Scarlet Rising. Eat the Storms, Mother said. Boil these beds of bitter blackness until the dream rips through the rain and translucent turns to trust. Even a diamond must ache in the darkness until compression can no longer conceal. Eat the storms, Mother said. Slip out of shivering skin until touch recalls the sweet music of scarlet rising, caught below the lick of leaf, lost in the shadow of the shade. Even the petal must rise above the thorn before it can dance in the light. Eat the storms, Mother said. But I didn't hear it at first. It takes time to swallow the truth and teach the tongue to taste the rain. This second poem is called Tattered Brown Trousers. Father ate all the flowers in the back garden because he couldn't swallow the promise of happiness blooming within the home he couldn't find his root within. Father left all the flowers in the front garden, too proud for others to see him pulling from the soil everything he needed help with, but had never been thought the words for. Father liked to laugh first when others lost, so that no one could hear his own loss tearing at him like weeds 
Twisting behind the restraints he wore like those inside-out jumpers and tattered brown trousers, he thought no one could see through. Father ate all the flowers in the shadows of the back garden and choked on a laugh that no one understood. And this final poem from Eat the Storms is called Colour is Waiting. Perhaps appropriate for the times we're right now, we really need to embrace every moment of happiness that we can. Colour is waiting. And still we'll come to lick honey from purple petals. And still we'll come to root out weeds of worthlessness in gardens where others devour all that is beautiful. Time turns and we, in turn, follow its path. Suns set and the moon shows us its soul. Hold hands and then release. Hold hope and then move on. We only own the moment. Mothers may still hand over their hearts to other mothers willing to be wanted. Fathers may rise to be fearless or choke on the roots of their own fear. But remember, black is only shadow. Still we come to that lake where language lingers where we sink beneath its depths to slip from reflections we once wore and have long since outgrown. Come, catch the colour, catch the kisses, catch the life racing by in taxis, on trains, under starry nights waiting for us to paint them. Behold how much there is to love, to let go of, to learn from. Eat the storms, she said. Eat the storms. First up today on Eat the Storms is a Malaysian poet who is based in Bath in the United Kingdom and who enchanted the entire Zoom room at the Cheltenham Poetry Festival back in September last year when she read with another former Eat the Storms guest, Matthew Hay. In 2018, Firestack Poetry published her debut pamphlet, Pictograph, which you can order from the poet herself with a link in today's blog post over at www.eatthestorms.com. She's had work appearing in Harana Poetry, Butcher's Dog, Abridged, and she is yet another guest who has been featured in I Am, curated by another fabulous Eat the Storms guest, Mark Anthony Owen. 
In 2021, Broken Sleep Books brought out as part of their legitimate snack series Bagua and also last year she was the Sky Arts Royal Society of Literature Poetry Award winner. You can find her on Twitter at Malaysia Girl, but today here with us on Eat the Storms, this is the incredible Pei O. Hello, Eat the Storms podcast listeners. My name is Pei O. I'm honored to be on Dami's podcast this week and to join this wonderful pantheon of poets. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm here on a stormy night in Bath, England. I've picked a trio of poems which travel from Kashgar to Virginia to North Carolina and finish in Penang, Malaysia, where I grew up. My first poem is called Avenues of Sand and is set in Kashgar, where I traveled to in 1989, before the re-education camps existed. This poem is dedicated to the Uyghur people. Avenues of San, Kashgar. Poplars along the dirt road to Abak Hoja's tomb, deserted in the early afternoon. Swallows cut the air, keen as the eyes of the old Uyghur man, their flight pure as the call to prayer at dawn. In the courtyard, silver eucalyptus, cool against red earth. Young girls like doves flutter against the mosaic, bright scarves wrapped around their heads. I wake early to walk the marketplace. Everywhere, hues of clay shift into each other, sacks of chili pepper in ferrous mounds sold by men in flat cloth caps. Alongside the low drone of speech and haggle, horses shift bony haunches, restlessly gallop to show their paces, fight the bit and saddle, kick like dervishes. Goats are for sale, grilled on sticks, their heads in piles to go into the pot, in noodles, with flatbread. I never want to eat goat again after this. I see an unexpected sight of 25 chickens strung across a bamboo pole on the bicycle. Their heavy red combs droop down from the white airplane of feathers, an unruly shape. Minding them is the boy in the tailored waistcoat and jacket. He is a shade of the desert the beautifully sullen face. I feel beautifully sullen myself. I wish to cut my thoughts from you. So I go to the street of metal vendors with their strings of brass bells, stirrups and meat hooks, ladles and irons, long links of chain, soup pots and hookah pipes. I look at the Yangisar knives. Every man here has one for life, a bit like a wife, but closer to the skin. I bargain for two plain daggers with brass inlaid hilts of wood and practical leather sheaths. 
I return south to Virginia. Blue mountains layer each other. The trees are bare. We don't ask any questions about who we are with, where we are going next. I bring you the knife, dust of Kashgar still in the leather weave, dust from the kicking horses, the chili peppers, the sullen sand. You drop a kiss on my shoulder, dagger clasped loosely in your hand. My next poem、uh, was published in a Bear Fiction Journal. As you all probably know, Dido was a queen of Carthage, and Aeneas was the founder of Rome. When Aeneas left, Dido threw herself into a pyre. However. I believe staying friends is more important. Dido and Aeneas, North Carolina. Your blue Chevy pickup is speeding down Thunder Road, a cloud of dust in the air from miles away. Trees thin as we head south from the city, boardwalk, surf shop, shrimp shacks. Birds' eyes skimming over the marshes and reeds, waterways move into stillness. By beached boats, we wander to the outer banks, see oats and bleached wood. The dunes rise up beside us, silent suffocation, fall away under our feet. Now. On a thin spit of land, we will never get out to the lighthouse. At night, as the tide comes in, words pour from my hands—another kind of speaking. You talk in your sleep, restlessly. I know when I wake, it will be over. Dido, nothing but ashes. Aeneas. Gone to Rome. At dawn, we go fishing. And my last poem is what I miss most: in memoriam. What I miss most are the rain trees, the limestone hills in the north. The sight of a big Brahmin bull, bright white egret on its hump, under the atop thatched roof of the rickety wood bus stop. Tin mine, white sand, the weeds struggling to live in the barren silverness. Rice paddy patchworks unfold, railroad tracks. Follow the coast where tiny silhouette huts stand, husks of boats, fishing nets, abandoned to the wind. The moist warmth still echoes on my skin. When I am here, I am as indivisible as water, crashing as the waves onto Ferengi Beach. 
I forget where two worlds will pull me apart. I can lie under the casuarinas and kiss you like I will never, never leave. I will stay, stay and whisper like these waves insistently into your nights, never letting you sleep. We watch the fishing boat lights move far out at sea, singing their false songs to squid swimming towards the moon. Thank you so much. Next up today, we have an Irish writer whose debut poetry collection caught my eye recently in a Twitter post called I Grew Up With Being A Zombie, published by Alien Buddha Press just last year. He was born in Wexford and is a journalist and writer currently based here in Dublin. In 2021, he was chosen by the Irish Writers' Centre to be a Young Writer Delegate. You may have already read his work with appearances in Puka Magazine, Barabua Journal or The Honest Ulsterman to name but a few. Today I am very delighted to welcome him for the first time to Eat the Storms. This is R.J. Burnock. Hi, this is R.J. Burnock and I'm absolutely thrilled to be a guest on the Eat the Storms podcast. So thank you so much to Damien for inviting me. Today I'm going to read a few poems from my debut poetry chapbook, I Grew Tired of Being a Zombie, which was published by Alien Buddha Press late last year. The first poem I'm going to read is called Modern Forge, and it's an exploration of the alienation of the worker under capitalism. Modern Forge. I sold my soul to the machine and then I watched, passively, as I was melted down. For just a moment, I seemed to glow with heat and energy. It flowed through me as I flowed too, until I cooled and dulled, taking shape in a rut. The hammer falls and tolls. It falls again and knells. I am beaten savagely until my shape is right, a cog in the machine to move the hammer, to strike, and mould another soul. The next poem I'm going to read is called Blue Agave Singing and it is for me talking about my own relationship with alcohol which is a pretty common theme through the chapbook. Blue Agave Singing is this a knife I see in front of me, its handle blood-red, gleaming destiny? Does this not mean that I shall sleep no more, while running from my own humanity? I listen to the blue agave sing, and in my mind picture that golden ring, that does not melt but crumbles into ash, the life of happiness to which I cling. Upon my feet I pace about the halls, while chasing hidden skeletons who call. They smoke their cigarettes and taunt me so. Spectators as they are await my fall. 
The blood runs thin down hills where fires sleep, and beating hearts are ripped out, buried deep. It stains the steel of chains that bind me here, my soul, it seems, no longer mine to keep. The knife still hovers there, and there awaits, the choice that leads me, lonesome, to my fate. Perhaps a stronger hand could grasp it firm, and guide me down towards the fiery gates. The next poem I am going to read is called The Silence of the Passing Days, and this poem was written during the COVID-19 lockdown, and it talks about the loneliness and isolation that came from that. The Silence of the Passing Days I wonder if today's the day I walk out slowly to the bay and pretend I have time to kill while watching seagulls eat their fill of fish they pluck from down below. I wonder, do the seagulls know? The man they see who sits and stares feels heavy from the things he cares about. The world seems colder now than it did before. Oh, but how? It's empty too, or so it seems, so I will sit and long for dreams of times I didn't feel so drawn towards the sea. Alas, the dawn will wake me from such pleasant things as drunken nights where friendship sings and laughter fills the fresh night air, the memories that comrades share. But memories is all they are. The past has claimed them, now so far from sight and mind and out of reach. I stand alone upon the beach. I wait for waves that never come to drag me out. I feel I'm done with breathing in the city's smoke. Instead, I think I'd like to choke beneath the sea and taste the salt. Please tell them that it's not their fault. I grew tired of being a zombie, feeling that the world had wronged me. The silence of the passing days has froze my soul. Medusa's gaze could not have done a better job. Without the baying of the mob, the quiet seems to eat me up, as fragile as a newborn pup. Do you believe in ghosts? I ask. These ghosts won't stay inside the past. My house is haunted, don't you see? The spirits in my memory. I hear them, see them, feel them too. I'm not insane, I swear it's true. They lay beside me in my bed and sink their claws into my head. They disappear right through my door, but never leave me evermore. Oh, what I'd give to cleanse my brain of ghosts that bring me lonely pain. And thus I pace across the sand towards the water, Maclear's hand. I hope will take me by the wrist and lead me deeper into bliss. I cannot stand the silence, so beneath the ocean I must go. Now the final poem I am going to read today is perhaps a little bit less depressing than uh, previous entries, uh, but it is titled My Pocket Stained Purple and it is a remembrance of my grandmother and the time that I spent with her. She's still alive, um, but just remembering some good times that I spent with her in my childhood. My pocket stained purple. 
I never wanted to waste the blackberries when they came in season. Too many of them grew for me, an infant walking with his grandmother to eat. So I tried to save them, bring them home and share them. My pockets stained purple from the juices and my grandmother laughed. It has been a while since I walked forest trails with her. Blackberries are still my favorite fruit, but something never sits quite right plucking them from price tag branded plastic trays rather than thorny briar stems. Recently I visited home and rushed excitedly towards the woods, only to find myself too late. I stared at blackberry corpses and thought of my grandmother and promised that next year when they came back in season, I would save some for her. I'd like to thank Damien once again for inviting me onto the podcast. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic and I hope everybody has enjoyed my poems. Thank you very much. Next up on Eat the Storms today, we have another treat for you after last week's teaser appearance with a track from their new upcoming album. This is a Belfast-based group, which are centred around Gordon Hewitt on guitar, lyrics and vocals, and Wallace Gibson on electric and acoustic saxophone. Together, they create groove-based music overlaying with songs, spoken word and chants. Hewitt and Gibson are accompanied by a floating lineup of musicians. They are based in Belfast and their work can be found on Bandcamp and Spotify. Their new album is coming very soon and will be called Spun from a Suffragette's Ribbons. This is Champion Things. She'd been employed by the woman whose father owned the colliery, the tobacco company and the distillery. The night camps where she would be working had been set up to accommodate the young boys. Shellacked after sifting through the tobacco leaves or shoveling the bleeze, mucked and tarred black at the end of each working day. And they would wander in cheerily after nightfall and her task was to wash the younger boys and to ensure that once dinner had been served, the dining hall and the makeshift kitchen were cleaned and readied for the following day. Each evening she would brush off the advances of the older boys, standing naked in a state of excitement, asking cheekily if she would wash them as she washed the younger ones. These boys were of similar age and background to her, they were already knowledgeable regarding the ways of the back alleys and the bathhouses, and she considered it vital to reject these advances, whereas once she might have accepted. Problems had already emerged when the camps had to factor in the safe delivery of the next generation, destined for the factories, the mines or the ways of the urchins, the unintended consequences of the general frivolity.
which dominated her thoughts was to find one of the younger porters, or perhaps even a doctor who would beckon her up the stairwells, through the alleyways, and towards the streets of the fashionable and leisurely. But at 19, she found herself with two young children, a less than attentive overseer who claimed he was in no position to leave his wife or offer anything other than marginally less primitive housing. Joining me now on Into the Storms as my last guest for season four and this episode is a first for the Poetry Podcast as we are welcoming a reverend who is also an author, poet and heretic. This month, his poetry collection Heresy will be published by Uncle B Publications, a collection that tears apart institutional Christianity from an insider's perspective, that very ordained reverend. Sebastian Weiss author and founder of Outcast Press, says in the blurb, in this collection you'll find poems that, if his words were fire, your eyes would burn from their sockets. Storm listeners, prepare yourselves for the raw and unflinching poetry of Reverend Joe Howard. Hi, my name's Joe Howard and I'm an author and poet from the UK. I'm going to read to you from my new collection called Heresy which is a book that seeks to uh, shine a light on the abuse, corruption and hypocrisy of institutional Christianity. I have a confession to make. I'm an ordained reverend. I'm not anti-religion, I suppose, but I am anti-institution and heresy is an attack on the church. And for that, I, I don't actually offer any apology. My desire above everything else is this for, to be a moment, this book, this selection of poems, to be um, a call to somebodiness where I hope that heresy feels like someone's heart cry, a vessel through which people feel like they've been heard. Um, the language within this collection highlights the pain and injustice minorities and vulnerable groups and those with little power have endured at the hands of people with power and the institutions they represent. As someone personally um, who's experienced racism both within and without the church walls, I wanted to give a voice to those who've been discriminated against, abused and hurt by these systems of power. I hope that heresy feels like people have been heard and that in that way there is a sense of justice or an attempt for justice to be done.
the first poem I'm going to read um, is called Disciple. Friendships exercised, delivered from past lives. New wine bursts old wineskins, skin crawling with imposed regret. Delight once tasted, tongue to tongue, shamed as penitent mouths wait for body and blood. Flesh denied, blood running constrained, denied savoured pleasure for saviour's satisfaction. Repent! Weekly crucifixions of flesh and desire surrender to systems of pent-up tension. Unholy men, women not allowed, citing scripture's commands. Chapter and verse. Subjugation's audiobook primed from pulpits, forced to suckle from nipples of power's persuasion. Wrapped in fear's swaddling clothes, surrendering as peasants of knowledge. Self-proclaimed wise men offer fool's gold. Minds masticate myths' fabrications. Knees bleeding as body follow reason's suspension. Doubt the sin of dictatorship. Instincts crushed beneath the word. Identity squeezed between its lines. Denial oozes across the page as self spills out. Unblinking servants gather to slurp syncophatic sewage, prevarication bottled as living water. Truth's aridity scratches disciples' throats. Revelation, the beginning of the end. My next poem is called Heretic. This is my body, surrendering to ancient desire, sacrificial blood, wine for venerated institutions. This is my mind, dampening dissent. Give them your brain, they bleach all critique. This is my strength, nothing more can be done. Weakness forsaken, you're better off dead. This is my soul. Midnight's despair, abandoned by the dogmatic curse, fucked by heretic's thorns. The next poem I'm going to read is called The Desolation of abomination. We love you. Warm hands caressing shivering bodies, frightened faces downcast in surrender, hell's fire warming blistered feet, pacing grooves into midnight's floor, praying for anything but this. Let's pray for you. Sweaty hands laid upon shivering bodies, desperate faces upturned, pleading for deliverance. Hell's fire lapping distended tongues, babbling ancient condemnation, severing trust and safety. Christ compels you. Forceful hands slamming bodies of regret, screwed up faces clamouring together, vociferating hellfire as judgment burns, disgust dribbling down self-righteous chins, secret urges suppressed for the right to write.
Homosexuality is an abomination unto the Lord. Hostile hands cast out outcast bodies. Defiant faces unmoved underneath compassion's desert. Help burns. Bigotry's ash choking in the throats of fear. Demonic institutions rotting in the sulphur of their own hate. This next poem is called My Child. Happy shall they be who takes your little ones and dash them against the rock. We delight as the brains of our children are destroyed, shape, impress, mould. Doctrines rock, on this rock I will build my church. Young one, let us smash your brains in and we shall feast on the new remains. This next poem is called A New Creation. Standing in the water, I hear promises ripple across the air. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Fragile wounds spill out at events' gravity, the offal of regret polluting the pool. Maybe I'm making a mistake. The preacher rhapsodises, ancient words resplendent in revelation, plucked from the top shelf of masturbatory congratulation. The old has gone, everything is new. Previous passions have disappeared. A miraculous eradication? Like yesterday when I called her a fucking bitch. Vodka's seduction surrendering senses, a river of anger from drunken pores flowing into a familiar ocean. Does my baptism wash away her pain, like a silver coin vanishing from the magician's hand? It's still there, you prick, only hidden, out of sight. I'm buried beneath the water, Christ's death overlaid upon me, a religious filter of self, i.e. I'm an influencer, revealing God's grace, the worst of sinners redeemed, for now, at least. So just before we finish up, I'm going to leave you with two final poems. This poem is from my most recent pamphlet that I co-wrote with the fantastic Irish poet The pamphlet is called In the Jitterfritz of Neon and was published recently by the Hedgehog Poetry Press. And this particular poem is about naming things or not naming things. When I was going out in Dublin in the late 90s, when I was about 17, 18, 19, um, we went to this bar that was called the Front Lounge and for about two years I had no idea that if you came in the back part of the bar the sign overhead said the Back Lounge. So it was actually one bar but it had two different names depending on the entrance. During that same time I remember a group of us took a trip to Cork and while at dinner one night before we went out to a club the other guys kept saying about the other place that we were going to go to. So we're all a bunch of gay lads in the late 90s in Cork and my guests or I was imagining that they didn't want to name the place that we were going to in case somebody overheard us. Later when we got to the actual club I stood in front of the door and looked up and the sign over the door said the other place. 
This is called Learning Not to Name Everything. It started in Dublin. Drunken confusions in the front lounge, with chandeliers we thought sparked us better. But artificial light has no correlation to the truth. The others came in from behind, not really strange in our community, but I wasn't used to back doors then, or delusions of names while they slipped into the back lounge. We were lost for an hour, in one bar with two entrances and two different names. In the early days, it's all about naming things later. Identity is less demanding and more innate. Much later in Cork, sitting on bare barrels in a dizzying bar that held no chandelier, they whispered about the other place. Long before no name had become the new name. I decided camouflage was how we'd camp it up in Cork. But after leaving the barrels and all their women behind for the left bend down a dark street, I eventually came face to face with the place of their whispers signposted literally the other place. Sometimes things are named with intention to delude, but then, at other times, they're so direct they easily deceive. And the final poem I'm going to leave you with today comes from Enough, my debut full collection, which will hopefully be coming out later this year from the Hedgehog Poetry Press. The collection is about my years living in Paris, and this is the opening poem from that collection. It's called 98 Rivier de Temple. On Monday, the muse filled Monday. A sky blue clarity carries unlike the water in a single river, from sea back to source. The pace is steady, still stepping up on that spiral, but memory is mischievous and twists past a door long since shut. On a turret staircase, now strained with ideals where youth once lived, and I wonder if all the sunflowers I painted onto its walls of other people's smoke stains are still visible under the time that's grown over it. Considerations here today, after Van Gogh, after all the running from the reverb of those shots, and from the call of those crows that tried too hard to claw at the dream we sketched once beyond those walls. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, we've reached the end of another episode of Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. 
My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I would like to say thank you so much for joining us here today. And as I said at the beginning, for the past 16 episodes that have been a platform for over 320 exquisite international voices, including today's fantastic lineup of Pao, R.J. Brunock, Reverend Joe Howard and the Groove-based Champion Things. For details of all of my guests on today's show and on all of the episodes, please head on over to www.eatthestorms.com. Click on the podcast section and there you will find a listing for every episode. This is episode 15, season 4. Now, cheeky to mention, but as this is the end of the series, over at Eat the Storms, there is also a tip jar. So if you fancy dropping me a couple of quid to buy a coffee or even a journal or some new ink and quill, then please feel free. There is absolutely no pressure whatsoever. This is what this is, a completely voluntary podcast platform that I do every week just for the joy of sharing poetry with you all. Now, this is the last episode, but we will be back with you again in May, and we are already taking guest listings. So if you fancy being a reader here on Eat the Storms, then drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. We are the podcast platform that is for all poets, whether you are published or just with pages underneath your pillow. We love hearing from new voices from all around the world in this show, but we also welcome returning guests. And as I said, you can drop over to eatthestorms.com where you'll find a blog post for every episode and there you will find everything you need to know about all our guests. From their photos, their bios, their social media handles to their websites and where to buy their collections. So please take a moment and drop over and follow those that you love. Now, I will see you again in May, or you will hear me again in May when I return with season five. And hopefully I'll have some news of a little expansion here at the Eat the Storms brand. But until then, take care, be safe, be well. Continue enjoying your freedom where you can, when you can, and if you can. Take nothing for granted. This is it from me, Damien B. Donnelly, saying to you, stay bloody poetic.